Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And I think it's really worth mentioning. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of people who were like, oh, God, Laura's done another messy one. But it's one thing that went wrong. It did look pretty dreadful, but it was the one element that went wrong. It wasn't the whole thing that went wrong. It was just the one element. It just visually had a very, very big impact. Um, And obviously, while we want things to be beautiful, it's not the Great British Arts and Crafts off. It's the Great British Bake Off. Well, welcome back to the Bake Down podcast for our review of the 2020 Bake Off semi-final. This is Josh Landy, founder of Bake With A Legend, the company that gives you the chance to bake alongside former Bake Off stars. And you can now do this from anywhere in the world with our virtual classes. We're so sad the series is coming towards an end, but we are going to be celebrating with a special online event. Firstly, Dan Beasley Harley will be leading a free webinar teaching you how to make the perfect scone. So you can bake along with us at 7.30pm on the 28th of November to give you a little flavour of what a class with us entails. And then at 8.45pm, Dan will be joined by Howard and Jane, where we're all going to be reflecting on the 2020 series of Bake Off and we will take your questions. You do have to register if you want to attend, but it is absolutely free. Click on the links in the podcast description to sign up if you'd like to attend, or you can check out our website and find the right link, bakewithalegend.com. Now, if you are still to join us for an online class, I really don't know what you're waiting for. We have six new classes going up in the next week or so, so I'm sure we've got something for you. And our record-breaking Bouche de Noël class with Dan has required a fifth date now due to popularity. You can catch the latest one on December the 19th, just ahead of Christmas. Remember to use the code PODCAST to get 10% off all bookings. And we'd love to hear from you if you are thinking about getting a group together online for some team building or a family get-together or perhaps a virtual Christmas party. So now to this week's episode, Patisserie Week, where Jane Howard and I were joined by the one and only Dan Beasley-Harling to reflect on where it all went right for Peter, but wrong for Hermine as she bid farewell to the tent at the penultimate step. We hope you enjoy the episode and we'll have another one for you next Wednesday. 
Welcome to the Bake Down podcast. Once again, I am joined by Howard Middleton and Jane Beadle. And returning to the Bake Down is Dan Beasley-Harling. Now, Dan, you've had several weeks to get over Mark and his hair leaving. How did you, on a general level, find watching back this semi-final? To be honest, I found it quite traumatic. And I don't know if we want to skip straight to sort of what the conclusion was. But yeah, it wasn't... I don't know. I don't know if I'd say I enjoyed this episode because it just sort of, it was like watching a car crash and not being able to do anything about it. And um, I found it a little bit, a little bit sad, to be honest. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, Howard, going into this episode that um, Hermine had obviously mentioned her pedestrian skills and it came up most weeks. And it's a little bit like turning up to go bowling with all your friends because if you bring your own ball people think you're going to be really good and we we'd had that for weeks on end now and she turned up and it just well we'll go into it in such detail but it didn't go her way did it 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 didn't and I think do you know I think that's a warning to people in future if you are going on Bake Off please don't say what you think your best week is going to be because the same thing happened with Linda you know she said about mums being able to do pastry this was going to be you know her week and then of course she went so I think um, you know don't sort of uh, put your cards on the table as far as what you think your best week's going to be. Jane when you were in the tent did you have a week that you were talking up or you were more of an all-rounder maybe? Oh god no I don't think I'm particularly good at anything really I think um, the thing is with no I wouldn't because <laughs> it usually comes back and bites you in the bum doesn't it if you say something like that no I was just I think I'm a jack of all trades um, and I to be perfectly honest I think that's what you need to be in the tent because there's absolutely no point in being brilliant at bread and then you don't get to bread week or brilliant at patisserie and then you don't get to patisserie week so I think Howard's right you know best to keep any thoughts of that quiet and just get your head down and try and do the best you can for every week and but no I'm still wondering what I'm really good at (laughs) it's yet to um, it's yet to made itself known to be honest you are being far too humble, uh, Jane. Oh, no, 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 I'm not. <laughs> I'm really you, not. <laughs> now, before, before we get in, we had a couple of emails and anything slightly off the uh, the norm is now directed at Howard, first and foremost. That's what we found out <laughs> uh, last week. Um, the, the, the first one comes from Mark Dodson, who doesn't actually say uh, where he's from, but it refers to a trip to the UK. Um, I found you guys a couple of days ago. I've binged all of your first season and catching up on the new season of your podcast. I adore listening to Jane and Howard disperse knowledge to the listeners. Um, I'm greatly enjoying the addition of other guest bakers who are also contestants. I got the distinct pleasure and privilege of meeting Mel quite briefly. I got to take a vacation to London a couple of years ago while she was performing in company in the West End. I happened to attend the night. They were raising funds for a charity and the majority of the performers greeted the audience as we left to solicit the donations. Most people ran for Patty Lapone. She was also in the production, but I went for the route that leads me to Mel. She was so genuine, warm and just lovely. It was a highlight of that trip. Can the bakers recall any times with Mel that might cheer me up in these lockdown mornings? Uh, oh, do you know, there was... Um, there was... Yes, there was a, um, I don't know whether I should say this or not, but there, there was a, a, a rumour, let's say, that Mel had ate a vegetarian uh, diet and therefore had a particular 
corner of the tent where she would go quietly to... <laughs> if I call it fart corner, I think, I think that's... <laughs> Oh, that's enough said, isn't it? But I, I do recall on one occasion, um, Mary Berry sort of catching a little drift of uh, something from this particular corner. And just the expression on her face was absolutely priceless. So, yeah, that, not the most tasteful story for this time in the morning, but anyway. Can I tell you my lovely, lovely, lovely story about Mel? I mean, there are probably loads, but... Um, as everybody who's watched the series knows that we have a family picnic at the end of um, at the end of the final and Sue and Mel and Sue had wandered around and said hello to all the families and everybody out there and to the best of my knowledge that's all they did well a few weeks later Mel is the face of the Marie Curie um, appeal in the summer the um, blooming great tea party and I was asked to go along and make a cake and do some baking with um, some of the, the nurses that were there uh, on the roof of John Lewis, which is where they, the press thing was. And Henry had just finished university and was at a bit of a loose end and I was carrying a lot of stuff. So he came up to London with me and um, we got up onto the roof and they said, oh, hold on a minute. She's, uh, Mel's just, come say hello to Mel. She's just in the middle of a press, press conference. And she came out and she saw me and she saw Henry and she went, Henry, how lovely to see you again, and gave him a big hug. Now, to the best of my knowledge, she didn't know he was coming. She'd only met him once at the final. And for her to to genuinely, well, it seemed incredibly genuine, um, remember him and be so warm to him, I just thought it was just a mark of what an absolutely lovely person she is. Um, I am a huge Mel and Sue, but a huge, huge Mel fan. I think she, oh, she's so warm and genuine and I absolutely love her. Well, that's a warmer story perhaps than what Howard Well, I don't know. The other story was quite warm, actually. (laughs) (laughs) She was was absolutely so lovely. I remember on on several occasions she'd offered to to make tea and things like that. I mean, she got other people to actually do it, but, I mean, it's it's the thought that counts, isn't it? It is absolutely a thought that counts. Now, we have a very long email, which I'm not going to be able to read out in entirety, but it is from... Uh, Carrie Riedemann in Michigan, um, USA. So thank you very much, uh, Carrie, for listening to our podcast um, over in America. The question here, Howard says, does Paul ever talk with the bakers after a challenge about how to fix something if they did it wrong or maybe a method the baker didn't know? So does does he ever give some sort of advice and wisdom once once it's finished recording? I think he does a, li- a little bit. I mean, he tends to do that um, within the judging as well. And I think the judges, you know, um, both both judges are sort of putting in about what they would have do- done to improve something. Um, sometimes he might have an opinion and then certainly when Mary was there, she would disagree with him. So, um, so there's a bit of kind of backwards and forwards argument uh, as such. But yeah, they, 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 they can be helpful. Yeah. On occasions. <laughs> well, let's get into this week's episode and start as ever with the signature challenge. And, and Jane, I'll come to you because am I right? Thinking back to your semi-final, your patisserie week, Savarin was a, a part of that. 
Uh, yes, Savarin was a part of that. And um, actually, I came first in that technical, which I don't think happened many times, if at all, other than that. Um, yeah, it was a good one, I thought. And, and I did so feel sorry for uh, um, Dave, who was having trouble all the way through making caramel, because for us, we had to make some caramel shards to do to decorate our savarin, which was a big savarin, as you know, a, a sharing savarin, which was lovely. Um, and I could not um, make caramel in the tent to save my life. Um, and just going back to Mel again and how lovely she is, I I had a really good bake on my savarin. I was really lucky, and um, but I failed miserably and um, just kept going and kept going with my caramel. And the crew had all moved to the front. They don't badger you and you're down to your last five minutes and I could see Mel going just get something on that cake just get something on that cake I was right at the front and I got this dreadful caramel shard on the cake which was horrible and half crystallized um so I really felt for Dave all the way through this episode but yeah a nice one and actually I was thinking about making some rum bar bars um I didn't know whether we could actually get them into a Bake with a Legend class because I think they would be good if, if I can get them in the hour and three quarters we do on our Zoom classes. Um, I think it's a nice thing. I'm quite, as Benjamina used to call me all the time, old school, um, but um, a lovely thing to make. I thought, it was a, I thought it was a great challenge. Yeah. So, Dan, tell us what went wrong for Hermine because she ended up doing uh, another batch, didn't she, at a time where you wondered if she could turn it around at that point doing another batch yeah so she um yeah i think she made uh it's very easy to do a post-mortem and say what what people did wrong um but i think so her first one sort of um i, th I think they were overproved um because they really exploded upwards and so she started again and then the second one were underproved because they were still the crumb was very tight and i think paul said it was very bread-like and i think that for me that probably sealed, <laughs> um, you know, th that was sort of, it couldn't have gone much worse for her. One thing uh, I did notice when Peters came out of the oven, he's like, I'm really happy with those. And I'm like, what? They look awful. And then I didn't realise he was going to trim the top off and neaten them all up. And I think if Hermine had stopped and thought and trimmed the bottom off her overproved ones, um, she might have uh, had a better result because the these the second batch were very tight and dense and actually if you look at everything else she did um it was very classic now if you're a baker a creme pat and a creme chantilly you, we've all made those a million times they're super easy to make there's nothing challenging or impressive about making a creme pat or a creme, or a creme chantilly so really the rum barbar everything was hanging on the rum barbar and as she didn't do a good job of that it was sort of she needed the, the rum barber to be amazing because everything else was so simple. And unfortunately, as that went wrong, you know, and she sort of had an overproved and underproved to choose from, I think she probably made the wrong choice. Um, yeah, that wasn't, that was not great. I mean, they looked lovely, but, you know, it's like when I uh, went home in pastry week, my pastry was awful. If, you know, if, if the, the thing that you're supposed to be making, that it's supposed to be centered around, if you get that wrong, you sort of, there's nothing really to hang any success on. Yeah, it was a difficult day for her. Howard, let's talk about Peter. On first glance, you may have not been the biggest fan of this because he was the one that went for no alcohol, I'm guessing. So elderflower, he went for... I mean, what did you make of that? No soaking in alcohol. 
I mean, I, I, I do actually like the uh, the combination of, of lemon and elderflower. I've done several cakes with the lemon and elderflower. But yeah, I, I was a bit dubious about it, but I have to say they were they looked fantastic, I thought. I thought they were the 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 quality of the actual uh saffron itself and then you know just the 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 look of them the color and the neatness and everything i thought i thought they looked delicious yeah i thought peter did very well jane just just a word on peter there and then take us through laura's because she actually got fairly good feedback yeah just a word on peter well i think howard said it all really they were amazing and like dan I was worried about them when they came out of the oven, but the fact that they were all trimmed down, which yeah, they they looked fantastic. What a what a star he is! Yeah, Laura, um, yeah, she did really well, didn't she? Um, lovely light sponge, very good. Um, I would send them back, said Paul. At which point her face dropped, um, and I so that I could meet the chef. So it really gave Laura. A lift. I'm, I was so so pleased for her. I mean, she is messy, isn't she? But I just would love to eat her food. I think she cooks brilliantly. It's just the sort of stuff that we all want to eat. Um, no, I, I I love Laura. I'm so glad that she got good good feedback. I was very happy with that. Dan, at that point, seeing Peter get a handshake early on in the semi final, it felt like almost congratulating him on on making it through to the final. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, obviously, it's a brilliant way to start. It's a brilliant way. It's the dream start for the weekend, knowing that Paul likes yours the best. Um, but yeah, you, it, it is out of three. And I do feel like this, we, they never give you any official guidance on how it's weighted. But I think everyone, everyone who's been a contestant has the feeling that the showstopper is weighted a bit more than the other challenges. So um, you, you never really know. You can have a spectacular day one, but if you completely duff up day two, uh, it, you know, not necessarily safe uh, just from, from the early start, but great for confidence building, absolutely brilliant. And uh, I think that was well-deserved. We ought to mention Dave as well, because um, Prue thought initially that all his flavours, there were too many flavours going on. But just looking at the list of them, tequila, mango, passion fruit and some honey, I, I think they all go together really nicely. Um, but he seemed extraordinarily pleased with the feedback at the end of it. But, you know, I... I didn't really get that they loved it as much as Peter's. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, they looked nice and they sounded delicious. Um, but was was Dave geeing himself up for Star Baker at that point and trying to convince himself that his were better than Peter's? I don't know. I think they're quite competitive, that pair. Yes. Yeah, there, there was, Dan, there was a moment really in the feedback when Paul couldn't quite understand why the curd was sitting at the bottom. He'd have put that inside. That's what he referred to, Dan. Yeah, that was a piece of criticism he got. And with things like that, I'm always torn as to whether it's like really smart or kind of cheating, um, because obviously you're getting a lovely, elegant look, but you're literally just pouring a liquid in a container. Like, you know, so do you get credit for the fact that it looks good? Maybe. I don't know. Um, but it seems like more his skill was, you know, buying a really nice glass dish rather than than baking. Do you know what I mean? That's so, a bit harsh. That's a bit harsh. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? I, I get what Paul said about it. Maybe it should be contained within the pastry rather than contained within a dish. I got the point. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it was made well. I don't think I don't think I think, to be honest, 
going into, well, for me, going into any week, having a strong signature just gives you a big sense of relief. Because if you have a bad signature to start with, you've got to fight back from it. Um, but if you have a good signature to start with and you know that you're not in the bottom to start with, it just it takes a little pressure off and uh, uh, for the rest of the competition. So I'm sure it was m- less about winning Sarbaker. Certainly in semi-final week, you really care about making through to the next week. You know, I don't I don't think anyone is desperate for Starbaker. They're desperate to make it to the final. Hi, everybody. My name's Helen. And I'm Kobe. And we're from Flixwatcher, a podcast in the strip media family. We are a movie podcast and we review films that are just on Netflix in the UK. So if you've ever struggled to find a film on Netflix to watch, we're the podcast for you. We have guests on from other podcasts, big and small, just like these guys that you listen to now. They choose the films and we rate them and discuss them with our unique scoring system. You can find Flixwatcher on any podcast app by searching Flixwatcher. That's F-L-I-X Watcher. And if you want more information about any of the other podcasts in the Strip Media family, just visit www.strips.media to find out more. Now, let's move on to the technical challenge. Howard, how do we pronounce this? I wasn't quite sure. I've written down a version, but I think I'll go to you on this. I think it's cornucopia, uh, horn of plenty. So, uh, yeah, I'd heard of the Horn of Plenty, Cornucopia, before, but not as, as a kind of biscuity thing. I'd not seen, uh, not seen this before. Do you know, it made me a little bit frustrated. It's not my hump of the week. But um, I do think sometimes, um, what's the point of giving people instructions about how to do something and a template, and then not just showing a finished picture of what it's supposed to look like? Because I don't think there's a particular skill in reading instructions and then trying to create something when you've no idea what the finished thing is supposed to look like. It, it's just, you, you're just setting people up, really. It was quite quite difficult, Jane. I felt watching, particularly Laura, I guess, she really struggled trying to almost conceptualise what this was supposed to be. Oh, she did. I, gosh, I felt so sorry for her. Um, It is very hard, and I'm with Howard, really, on something so complicated like this. It would have been... It wouldn't have done any harm to give them a picture, would it? Even a little one in the corner. Um, I could have cried for her. And she was obviously feeling stressed because she's not normally a teary person, is she? She's so upbeat and chirpy and takes things on the chin. So maybe she was just having a really bad week. Maybe she hadn't slept very well or something. I don't know. But I thought Matt Lucas was just lovely with her. He mucks about a lot, but he was so kind and... So supportive. Um, she, it seemed to sort of just really cheer her up and, and rally her. Um, I, I, I felt so sorry for her. And it was hot in the tent. And it's. we were told about week five that you've got to halfway now and now it's just all about stamina because it's hard. Well, I think for that those all away from home for such a long time and they must be so tired and so stressed and to be faced with a challenge like that that you just cannot get your head around um, must be really tough. And have you come across one of these before if that was presented to you do you think you'd have understood what it was asking you to do? 
Um, I've not made a Danish cornucopia, um, but cornucopia um, made with bread is quite popular. Um, so I know what the shape is supposed to be. I know what a cornucopia looks like. And also, if you've seen Hunger Games, you should know what cornucopia looks like. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I would have known what it looked like. I think I get, I get uh, Jane and Howard's point that it would be nice if the bakers knew what they were aiming for. But had that happened, we would never have been treated uh, to a horn that looked like Dave's. Um, which I thought was just wonderful. And I just, but I just, I can't, I mean, listen, I've been in that tent, so I know that you just panic and do stupid things. But um, on what planet did Dave think that that would be an appropriate dessert to serve at like a dinner party or something? Like, what was he thinking? Um, which is, which cracked me up. Uh, poor old Dave. One thing I will say about Dave is he mo- he always says, oh, caramel never works for me. And he said it again in this challenge. And he said, oh, I haven't t- touched it or done anything. And then it cut to him stirring the caramel. Um, so I don't, I'm sure that he was just a victim of editing for the sake of humour. But uh, yeah, poor old Dave. <laughs> it's, technically, I think he did the baking well. And then just what happened? <laughs> yeah, so, so Howard, with these, and to get these right, we, we were looking for like firm on the outside, but chewy on the inside. And you know, looking at some of the, the feedback that they got, it wasn't quite the success story and what we'd seen on the table between Paul and Prue. You know, what, what do you think largely went went wrong for everyone on, on this, apart from possibly Peter? I think the main problem was that they were trying to bake all the different size biscuits at the same time. So you've got large biscuits, which obviously uh, would take a little longer uh, in order to get that that chewiness on the inside and the crispness on the outside, and small biscuits which would bake um, much much quicker, if you try and put them all on the on the same tray and do them at the same time, you're going to get a very uneven bake. Yes, I think you are. I mean, J- Jane, if we if we just come to sort of you know Laura's first, there weren't too many redeeming features in, in the feedback. She was told it sort of looked like a mess, and it was actually the only one that was underbaked. Yes, it was the only one that was underbaked. I mean, they're quite hard to bake and get right. I mean, I think Dave said they're like soft amaretti. I make soft amaretti a lot. Um, And you do have to judge them quite carefully because if you leave them in a short time, they're really raw in the middle. But you want them a bit soft and squidgy and um, marzipani-like in the middle, but crisp and yummy on the outside. Um, I can only assume that nobody apart from David made soft amaretti before because they will all crack. Amaretti do crack. Um, You dust them with some icing sugar and then the cracks are the things that make it look really attractive. I think a lot of them just sort of bake them a a bit longer to give them some structural integrity, knowing they were going to have to assemble. But yeah, some of them were really just too chewy, weren't they? It's a lovely thing. Do make anybody listening make soft amaretti. Um, they are brilliant, um, and and lovely. And if you once you've mastered that, you too can make a horn of plenty if you really want to. That is. Well, well, Jane, you did mention it there. Maybe we can look at doing a class with this. What do you reckon? Oh well, they're very simple, and I'd love to. They make wonderful, wonderful gifts. And um, actually, I've got a bowl. I've got a bowl on my kitchen work surface at the moment that people are eating with coffee. So, um, yeah, I'm very happy to make some soft amaretti. Spread the love. Spread the almond love, I think. Well, well, Dan, if Peter maybe wasn't into the final after just the signature coming first in the technical, certainly didn't didn't present any problems to him. No, 
Uh, absolutely not. Uh, he uh, obviously, you're going to the second day with a lot of confidence. I was a little bit surprised. I almost thought Hermine would win this one just because I know it was a bit scrappy, but the baking was good and it was the correct shape. And it seemed like it was just the decoration uh, that, that really let her down. Um, but it, it seemed like such a minor thing. I was slightly surprised that, that she didn't win. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Am I, did, is that how you guys interpreted it? I think I think it was um, the one that looked most like the exemplary uh, Horn of Plenty. So again, I think had the bakers been given a little diagram about what the finished thing was going to look like, you'd have you'd have ended up with a kind of more even, a more level playing field, really. Can I, can I say two things? Um, one about Hermine. She said um, afterwards, Peter's good at detail and, and basically he deserved it. She said, I'm not particularly good at detail. Well, there was a bit of me that thought, well, if you're really good at French patisserie, then detail is the one thing you should be good at. So I thought that was a strange comment. But just I just wanted to talk about caramel because it is my nemesis in the tent. Um, Dave... Yeah, terrible trouble with caramel. But looking at the saucepans, now it's all about the saucepans here. And Mary Berry said to me, for goodness sake, get rid of that non-stick pan and use a straight steel pan because non-stick pans can give you real trouble with um, car- you know, crystallisation. Um, and at home, I haven't got any non-stick pans and I don't have any trouble with caramel at all. And Dave, some of the others had non- uh, the steel pans and Dave didn't. He had one of those ones with a... I don't know, there's modern ones with the sort of speckled Teflon non-stick surface. So maybe that was his problem. Um, and for anybody listening, was it a caramel with water in it? Um, it wasn't clear. It wasn't clear, was it? But if you do, you can stir a caramel without water in it. I can stir my caramel without water in it. But if you have water in the caramel, you can't. But a trick for everybody that I have learned is if you put a lid on, instead of all that brushing down the sides of any loose um, loose sugar, if you put a lid on, the uh, condensation takes those crystals, well, those bits of sugar back down the side into the pan. And once that sugar has melted and dissolved, you can then take the lid off and bubble it to a caramel very safely. So if if... If anybody's having trouble with crystallised caramel, stick a lid on, gentle heat, melt your sugar, and then take the lid off to get it to go caramel colour, and that should stop all your caramel problems. Good tip. I have to say, I've only ever caramelised, I've only ever crystallised a caramel once in my entire life. And it's just one of those things, for some reason, I always get caramel right, and I know some people struggle with it immensely, but it's just... But then it took me about 50 attempts to get macaron right. So, you know, just some things work for people, some things work for other people. Who knows? Yeah, I went through so many saucepans in that tent. I really felt sorry for the people who had to wash them up. <laughs> well, let's head to the showstopper then. And Howard, it was a cube cake uh, comprised of 25 mini cube cakes. Looking for precision here, looking for them to be sharp, uniform, very neat exquisite uh, and they were told they could uh, decorate them in whatever flavors and however they liked they were told ideally edible supports powered what, what are your views on these edible supports yeah I, th- I thought it was a nice idea and i think dave was the only one who actually baked uh, a biscuit to support his cubes on 
I, I have to say, I, I'd not, I'd not heard of a cube cake before. I don't know whether I, I need to get out a bit more, or at least go on, on Google a bit more. But they just, to me, look like small cube-shaped cakes. This idea of putting them together like a Rubik's cube um, is, is a new one on me. So I don't know whether it is a trend, and it's, it's just something that I've missed. Um, but yes, I will have a look see if I can find any other examples of, of cube cakes. Dan, have you made a, a cube cake? Um, no, but they were... Well, I've made fondant fancies, and they're pretty similar. Um, but yeah, about about a year ago, this became was a really trendy thing on Instagram, where the sort of cakes made of individual cubes that looked like a Rubik's Cube. It was sort of a, a thing that came and went, but it's very difficult. It's not a thing that regular people made. It was sort of a thing amongst pastry chefs that, 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 that was popular. I thought it was a great challenge, um, but... Um, yeah, making your own supports, I just would have noped out on that. Uh, I think that was, uh, you know, lucky for him that it worked, but it could have gone so wrong. I, I don't think I'd have bothered doing that. Jane, what's your cube cake experience? Yeah, zero, apart from fondant fancies in the tent, which I've never made since. But it did remind me of fondant fancy week, and I was thinking fondant fancies, if we'd been able to use a mirror glaze instead of fondant maybe we would have all got a better result um yeah so mine are zero and it's probably going to stay zero because oh gosh well one thing annoyed me and this might be a howard's hump and i apologize howard if i'm uh, preempting you but paul said something with this one said they're all amateur stroke home bakers and at this stage um they should be pushing into the world of professional bakers and i thought they shouldn't. They're home bakers doing the Great British Bake Off, making lovely, lovely things and challenged, challenged in the showstopper. We're not going into the world of professional bake off. This isn't MasterChef. This is the Great British Bake Off in a tent with bunting. So I, th- I think it was a challenge for them. Um, and I, I liked the idea, but I didn't like it enough to make it at home. I mean, make a cake or make individual cakes. You know, so why make so many? However, as a sh- as a showstopper challenge in the tent, I thought it was lovely, and I thought it was interesting. And sadly, maybe because of the heat, they didn't all look as beautiful as they perhaps could have done. No, well, Howard, I'm wondering if this was your semi final. Say you were in a semi final and there was patisserie week. I mean, the amount of gelatin going on, you'd have probably walked out in disgust, wouldn't you? I know. I, 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 after singing Laura's praise uh, praises last week for for using agar rather than gelatin, then and then she decided to get all these sheets of gelatin out this week. Oh, so dear to me! I have to say as well, poor poor Laura. The mess she makes it's incredible. I don't. Th- there was one of my um, heroes, baking heroes, is, is a woman called Margaret Brown. And uh, she always says that there's very little, when you face a crisis, very little that can't be sold with a damp cloth. And I think Laura needs to take that on board sometimes. (laughs) Just tidying up a bit might help her focus a little more because I could never work under those circumstances. It's genuinely a little bit horrifying. I'm like I consider myself quite a messy baker because I do tend to have t- towering stacks of pans all over the place. But yeah, just like literally poured all over the counter, dripping onto the floor. I'm like, oh my god, it's genuinely horrifying. Surely she doesn't work like that at home. Like, <laughs> it looks well, like- 
It reminded me of like the scene of um, in Sleeping Beauty, the Disney film, where they're, they're baking a cake and it's all sliding down and being propped up with a broom. It's just sort of like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, she did seem to be playing up to the stereotype we've come to know from her this series. Now, Jane, we could talk about Peters for some time, I imagine. It, it was absolutely brilliant, wasn't it? I, I thought this was one of the most impressive things we've seen all series. Oh, well, it was absolutely brilliant. And as I've said several times in these podcasts, um, what an old head he has on young shoulders um, because he thought his way through it. He, thank goodness, wasn't cutting apart lots of moulds. Gosh, that broke my heart. Um, so to see the way that he'd approached it, knew he was going to get the neater result by doing it as one big one and chopping it up. Um, the flavour sounded delicious. I mean, I don't think I can come up with enough superlatives to describe um, Peter's bake I, and Peter himself. I thought um, I thought it was absolutely amazing. I loved it. And if I was going to make a cube cake, which I have hastened to repeat, I am not, um, it would have been one like Peter's, I think. I thought it sounded fantastic. Uh, Howard, just explain that, because he went for this uh, square tin, didn't he? And, and that approach seems quite clever, methodical, and his looked so neat in the end. Uh, yeah, so, so sensible. I think I think the only thing that worried me was the fact that he was doing kind of three combinations. I mean, very clever of, of using um, sort of alternate ingredients of, of both cake and mousse and and um, and the um, co- uh, the frosting but um but yeah it was um it was very very impressive and and as as we say just a, a really sensible logical approach to doing it Dan what did you make of it yeah I just wanted to say uh I made a note of this because I really wanted to say it and I'm glad uh, it tapped a hidden rage in Jane as well watching them I think both Dave and Laura cut up silicon molds um, and that upset me so much. Um, and I know that um, I am prone to things making me irrationally angry, but this, I think, was very rational. It's so wasteful. And, you know, the reason you have a, a frame um, is is for the, exactly this kind of job. And, like, it just... I, it really made me genuinely angry because it's so wasteful. And, you know, I hope that silicon is recyclable. And I hate to sound like one of these sustainability freaks, but, like, it really, really upset me. Um, like, it really upset me. And I'm not, I wasn't happy about that at all. And I would have marked them down if I was there. Um, yeah, I think using a frame was the right way to go. Yeah, well, that, I mean, he referred. That's, that's one of my humps gone this week. So. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's talk about Laura's here, Jane. She seemed really confident in in this recipe. And whilst it didn't go totally to plan, the flavours did end up getting great feedback. Oh, yes, they did. And they sounded lovely, didn't they? The, the flavours are a classic combination. Um, yeah, good old Laura. It, they didn't go to plan and they did look very messy, but I, I do sympathise with her um, because I did um, a mirror glaze something or other. I can't really even remember what it was for. Actually, I've still got some of my mirror glaze in the fridge. By the way, folks, if you make your mirror glaze, you can keep it in the fridge and use it again. Um, and I had exactly the same problem as she did. And I can only assume you're supposed to take it down and, and one of the others will correct me on this, I'm sure. But you take it down to about 31 degrees centigrade and then it's ready to go on whatever it is that you're mirror glazing. Um 
and maybe hers was a little bit hot or maybe the tent was hot, which they kept commenting about. Um, maybe it was the heat. Maybe she needed just to take it down a bit more and maybe whatever she was covering wasn't quite chilled enough, which is always the way in the tent. Um, and, and I felt sorry because having experienced that myself about a month ago. Um, but I think it just goes to show as long as your textures, you might not win, but as long as your textures and your flavours are good, that comes before the overall appearance. So if you're up against somebody who looks gorgeous, but actually it's inedible, you are going to beat them. And luckily her... Her flavours were brilliant. She's always good on flavours, isn't she? She's just um, a bit messy. Um, so I was I was very happy for her because she has had some tense moments in that tent with um, chilled desserts, shall we say. Yeah, I think Jane's absolutely right. Uh, usually gelatin mixes is about 30, 30 odd degrees, sometimes different, but it depends on the gelatin. I imagine it was just too hot as it went on. And I think it's really worth mentioning. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of people who were like, oh God, Laura's done another messy one. But it's one thing that went wrong. It did look pretty dreadful, but it was the one element that went wrong. It wasn't the whole thing that went wrong. It was just the one element. It just visually had a very, very big impact. Um, and obviously, while we want things to be beautiful, it's not the Great British Arts and Crafts Off, it's the Great British Bake Off. And she had five elements in that cake, and they worked very well, and they tasted beautiful together. So, yes, it did not look great, but it was one thing that went wrong. Like, everything else was good about that bake. So I don't want people to look at it and think the fact that it messy meant the whole thing was ruined, because that's absolutely not the case. Yeah, absolutely fair. Now, Howard, let's talk about Hermine, who... Unfortunately, left us at the semi-final stage. I feel like we've seen this over the years a few times where they let us know that a recipe has been changed pretty late on. Uh, and we were told that, I mean, changed this yesterday. So that's very brave, isn't it, for ahead of a semi-final? And again, could we have foreseen what might be coming? I, d I, I don't know if it's brave. I think it's slightly foolish in some respects. I mean, I do think... Um, it just contrasting what happened with with Laura she was making a point about the fact that she was putting her cherries in whole and she thought you know I, 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 I don't know whether the judges are going to like it but I like it like this and of course they um, Prue in particular did like it so I think think sometimes it's about having the confidence to stick with something that you think is is working and just go for it and I think Hermine unfortunately at some point in the week had obviously had a bit of a wobble and decided I really need to do something completely different and of course you just don't have the time then to practice it to change the recipe the day before, if just because something's going a little bit wrong, I just think, as Howard um, implied, is, is foolhardy. And she said she was winging it. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't wing it with gelatin. Um, you need a proper recipe there. I just, she was setting herself up to fail. I felt. I, I did feel very sorry for her, um, but I, it was all. It was all of her own making. I'm afraid. When I was having my meltdown, uh, which I'm very proud of, cannot watch it, but I'm sure it was beautiful for everyone else. Um, I phoned my husband after the first day, sort of crying and going, oh God, it's all gone horribly wrong. I don't know what to do. And he said like, instead of a puff pastry, why don't you make a rough puff? And why don't you simplify your design so that you've got time to do it? And I said, no, no, it has to be perfect. I'll, I'll stick with my original plan because that's the one I practiced. And of course I ran out of time and it was a disaster. Now. 
that's a situation where I probably should have changed what I did. I probably should have gone with a rough pub. I probably should have changed, made a design more simple. So I don't think changing in itself is is a disaster, but a brand new, like, like, especially as you say, Jane, with gelatin, just freestyling it with gelatin. I mean, what, that's, that's just asking for trouble. Um, so I think, yes, yeah, sometimes changing is a good idea, but I think she knew that it wasn't going to work. Um, and you could tell she said something like, I just don't even want to carry on. Uh, and like, I felt that. I felt that energy. <laughs> um, but of course, you do, you carry on, you do your best. But yeah, I think she knew at that point that that, that she'd made a fatal error and this was probably going to be it. So Howard, in, in terms of a conclusion here, you know, I think it was Noel who made the point at the kitchen table and they were assessing how that week had gone that referenced Laura saving herself on the showstopper on so many occasions this series. But ultimately, do you think the right decision was made? Um, I, I think it, I think it was. And although Laura had, had come bottom in, in the technical, I think her, her um, Savran was, um, was certainly better than her means. So I don't think she was necessarily you know, in the bottom position on, on, on that by any means. So yeah, sadly, I think, I think it was the right decision. Let me talk about Dave. I thought his looked stunning. I thought he'd got them very, very neat. Um, and I loved the idea of the liquid caramel centre. I thought that was really clever. When he was digging out holes in the centre, I was thinking, oh my God, that looks all a bit messy, but actually it worked brilliantly well, didn't it? Um, I, I just thought the idea of putting a liquid caramel in there was a fantastic idea. I can't, I don't quite know how he did. Did he pour that in and then put sponge on top? I wasn't quite sure. Um, but I, I, you know, I wouldn't mind giving that a go. I thought it was a lovely idea. I don't know what you other guys think. I mean, you know, we sometimes, I don't know why, it's Dave, have we always taken him for granted as being a very competent baker and perhaps don't always credit him with some of the stuff that he does but I, I just thought that was I thought it was excellent I thought his bake was excellent and it it was a toss-up between him and Peter I thought at that stage he, he, he did a great job yeah Dan he, he did do well didn't he and as mentioned before and referenced by Paul he has seemingly grown week by week and has been so strong you know, I think Dave gets his head down and just concentrates on the baking. And I think he's delivered really, so he's had maybe one or maybe two bad weeks, but generally he's done a really consistently good job. And um, and I think he's just got his head down and he's working on, on his baking. And actually, to be honest, this week, I felt a little bit sorry for Noel. Noel was standing there delivering him comedy gold in that surrealist <laughs> way that he does. I was wetting myself laughing. And Dave was just ignoring him. He just wasn't even like, just getting on with the baking. And uh, it was quite comical uh, to look at. Um, but yeah, I think Dave's Dave's just, he's just got his head down. And he's just trying to do the best job possible. And I think that's the thing in the, in the tent, you know, uh, you know, I mean, obviously everyone would like to win, but like everyone just wants to do a good job. And I think Dave is focusing on doing the good job and worrying about being the nation's sweetheart second. He's keeping his head down, concentrating on the baking. Well, look, before we head to Howard's Hump and preview the final, Jane, just give us a quick thought then. Hermine, right decision to, to see her leave attempt this week or not? Oh, absolutely. I mean, right from the start, it it was all downhill for Hermine and I was worried worried for her. Um, I, they couldn't have sent anybody else home, I'm afraid. She had such a car crash in the showstopper, which 
should have been her thing. Yeah, sorry, Hermine. Really sorry to see you go. You've been a joy. But, um, yeah, it, yeah it, it was the right decision. It was, but she's been fantastic to watch and um, mm. one of the uh, great characters from this season. Now, Howard, I'm sorry if Dan stole one of your humps earlier with the moulds being cut up. I'm hoping you've got something else for us. Um, I have, yes. Uh, it's it's a strange one, actually. It's something... Um, so my, my husband, Peter, he's from Liverpool too, and I don't know whether it's a Liverpoolian thing, but it's something that, that Paul does, which is that he um, he calls Dave David, right? And... Uh, <laughs> My 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 partner he he does the same. He, we have a friend called Steve who he calls Stephen, and uh, my brother-in-law Rob he calls Robert. And it's like I've no idea why why he does that. But the the other thing was which we, what he said to Laura. He said you're a rough diamond. You just need a little polishing. And I thought Do you know you are judgmental, aren't you? I know you are supposed to be a judge, but yeah, the, draw the line somewhere. I think he was only talking about her baking skills. I mean, you couldn't say she was a finished product when it comes to some of the things that she did now. I would have taken that as a compliment. It means that underneath is is a most fantastic baker just needing to neaten up a bit. I, I think... I think I don't often disagree with you, Howard, but I, I, I think he was probably in in a Hollywood sort of way trying to be nice. Yeah, um, Daniel, what did you make of that? I, I'm with um, no, I'm with Howard on that actually because um, only my mother calls me Daniel, or like my husband calls me Daniel if, if he's annoyed with me. So it's kind of like it's uh, it's yeah, it's sort of it elicits a when someone uses my full name, it elicits a feeling in me. Um, uh, um, and I think that's why Paul is doing it. And I'd say, like, th- people think Paul is is mean. He's not mean. He's just a complete wind-up merchant. And um, I find it funny, but a lot of other people um, do find it a bit distressing. But I personally find it really funny, and I don't think he means anything by it. I think it's all in fun and kindly meant. Now, I have been... A big fan of Laura since week one. You'll recall I'm delighted to see her make it all the way through to the final. So I better maintain that I'm rooting for her. Howard, how do you look ahead to the final now? We've got Peter uh, and Dave and Laura. It, it feels like, is, is Peter the favourite, do you feel, going into the final? No, no, I think it's, I think, um, you know, as we said last week, they've all been star baker at some point. They've all done really well on on some challenges and had uh, a few wobbles on others. Um, I would just say I, I'm really hopeful that we have a kind of joyful uh, final because um, it, it's got a little bit serious in, in my mind. Um, I don't know whether it's because of the bubble that it's kind of upped the intensity of the bakers this this year. But certainly both with um, with Dave and Peter, they're like machines. They're like athletes that have been training for this, this final and are now there. Um, and poor Laura's, um, you know, going through a, a, a quite an emotional kind of roller coaster in order to, to get to the final. So um, I just hope they enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. We look forward to watching that next week. Um, Dan, how do you assess the final? Well, I think 
actually, it's quite a classic final because we've got the, the three classic archetypes of the Bake Off final. We've got the professional, which would be Peter. We've got the underdog, which is um, uh, Dave. And then we've got the wild card, which is Laura. Um, so I think, obviously, if Laura has an amazing week, she could win the whole thing. Um, but I think she is, she's, an, uh, she's, she's sort of an outlier. I think it'll be between um, Dave and Peter. And it just depends if Dave can continue this good run or if Peter has been inspired by his recent return to form and finishes out really strongly. So I kind of think it will be between Peter and Dave. I kind of want to see Peter win. I don't know why. I think it's just because he's sort of young and cute and I like him. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a and great Jane, someone to win, isn't it? <laughs> Jane, uh, how do you assess it then? We've got young and cute Peter, um, and we've got Dave and Laura. Well, uh, yes, young and cute Peter. I think I have been tipping from the start. If you're going to claim your tip of Laura, um, I'm yep. going to claim my tip of Peter. Um, and Dave, I think, has been very consistent, but as you say, he's just sort of kept his head down and got on with it. So I'm really not surprised that either of them are, are in there. Um, and I have to agree. I do think it's between them, but I would love Laura to sort of come out up on the outside and have an absolutely fantastic week and completely smash it because I love Laura. I love her attitude. I love her humour. I love the fact... Oh, this week, she she went and, and tried to support and help her meme when she was in the middle of a crisis herself. And I just think she strikes me as such a lovely person. Um, I would like her to prove all of the um, bookies wrong. Well, that's us, basically. And her to come in on the outside and snatch victory um, from the other two because, or at least have an absolutely fantastic week because I, I love all three of them and all three of them could be winners as far as I'm concerned. But I think I would love Laura to just snatch it. But that's just because... Um, I really like her, I think, and I think she's been so supportive and embodies that sense of kindness and warmth and helping fellow human beings that Bake Off is all about. Oh, Well, well said, Jane. Well, we, we can't quite call it between us, and we must point out that Jane did pick out uh, Peter, and I think Howard also referenced Peter A early on. So between us, we've actually managed to pick out finalists, so congratulations to us. Now, um, thank you so much to Howard and Jane and Dan for joining the podcast once again. Just one more episode, which will come of course, next week. Um, if you're not following us already on social media, please do. We are at Bake With A Legend on all platforms. And of course, we have a huge range of classes that have gone up in the last week or two. So please do check them out if you want to come and virtually bake with us. It is bakewithalegend.com forward slash online classes. Thanks so much for listening and we will see you again next Wednesday. just heard a stripped media production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.